Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm delighted you're with us today. You know, when I first began to do afterlife research at the start of the 70s, actually at the end of the 60s, I was completely alone. Nobody else in the entire world seemed to care back then about what happens at and after death. I was sure I had the world's weirdest and most eccentric hobby. Then in 1975, Dr. Raymond Moody published Life After Life, in which he coined the term near-death experience. And even though NDEs have nothing to do with death, just opening that window into a whole new and amazing facet of what our minds can do spawned a sudden great interest in death and the afterlife. This had happened before. The late 19th and early 20th centuries were a heyday of wonderful and abundant communications with the dead through physical and deep trance mediums. And all those communications inspired great researchers who did wonderful work in documenting and studying all this new information. But after about 1940, interest waned kind of in this. And I think one reason may have been we were kind of occupied with other things in the early 1940s. But then in the 80s, late 70s, really, all those half-century-old studies and books were suddenly hot again. And I, again, thank Dr. Moody so much for his inspiring all this interest. And now, of course, another heyday of interest in afterlife communication is well underway. Little really has changed in recent years beyond the wonderful synthesis of quantum physics and other modern scientific concepts with afterlife studies and the use of the Internet to disseminate information. Both mainstream science and mainstream religions continue to stonewall the basic truth that human life is eternal, and it's possible to know a great deal actually about what, what happens at an after death, including by intensive communications with people who are now living in the afterlife. That's one of the ways we're still constantly bringing in new information. But the lengths to which scientists will go to claim that they have debunked the truth now and forever so they can keep us trusting them for just a bit longer is really, frankly, appalling. Truth is truth, no matter how you try to bury it. There's some. There's something that the, the, the powerful – last time this was the church, right – in, in the middle of the uh, uh, of the second millennium after the death of Jesus, we had the church um, uh, trying and then failing to keep scientists for breaking through through with the truth. And now it's modern scientists' turn to face its humiliation in the face of truths being shared by the active dead, and the scientists still try hard to ignore it. Those that we used to think were dead have begun to work on producing what amounts to some hardwired electronic methods by which anyone in the afterlife will be able to talk with anyone on Earth. So that moment of humiliation and, and you know, sort of come to Jesus moment for the scientific community is, I think, not far away. Our guest today is here for the third time, and he's one of the pioneers in this whole field of electronic communication with those that we used to think were dead. 
Keith J. Clark is the founder of the iDigital Medium team, which is now a a little more than a decade old, I believe. He'll tell us when he started it. The iDigital Medium team is a nonprofit organization that's devoted to research, education, and the preservation of data regarding life after death. It's composed of volunteers from all over the world, team members who take a special interest in fields like especially physical mediumship and instrumental transcommunication. We'll we'll talk a lot about what that means. Keith, I'm so glad you're with us. Welcome, welcome. Thank you, Roberta. I really appreciate you having me on again. It has been a while, hasn't it? It has. You know, <laughs> it's sort of life, as, as John Lennon said, life is what's happening while you're making other plans. And that's kind of, I think, <laughs> what we've both been up to. But um, I'm very happy to have you back because uh, I've really enjoyed sort of following from a distance the kinds of things you're doing. But first, let's talk a little bit, for people who don't know who you are, about what's your history? How did you get interested in this field? How did you get started? Okay, the brief history is I'm primarily known as an experimenter in ITC, which is an abbreviation for instrumental transcommunication. In a nutshell, in simple terms, it simply means that I am one of the people who Uh, has a passion for studying and conducting experiments in which people, non-physical personalities, which is how we describe them now, are people that we can't see or people that do not appear in this physical vibration. Uh, We try to communicate with them, and we do that using electronics, computers, sound, and things like that. Uh, I've been in this field for, well, since 2005, a lot of people became interested in this area then. The one topic or the one specific area of ITC that most people may be familiar with is when someone can ask questions when they're by themselves and record them with the device, and upon playback, they will sometimes hear a voice. That's the traditional uh, electronic voice phenomena, or EVP as it's known. Okay, so you were interested in that beginning about 15 years ago. What what were you doing before that? What's your background, your education? Sure, I was in the military. I did Morse code, which is a little outdated now. I studied Chinese. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I studied Chinese Mandarin, uh, which is, I would say, a little not outdated. <laughs> it's no, no, more- <laughs> a few people still speak that. Right, it's becoming more prevalent. Yes. And I've, I had a lot of different odd jobs there for a while until I fell into computers. And once I fell into computers, my, I would say I had a natural troubleshooting ability and curiosity. After about a decade or so of conducting experiments and networking with other people in the field, we began to realize that some of us had a common interest. And one of these things was that people were creating websites and people that were researching this field Um, some of them would transition or die. And when they would die, um, that information would disappear. And so on that foundation, a lot of us came together and we experimented. (laughs) But the primary purpose of iDigital Medium was to work as a team. It was kind of an experiment to see what can we do if everybody does a little bit of a job instead of one person trying to do it all. And I would say it was a successful experiment. Yeah, I would think especially there would be a problem with someone's whole life's work in this field being lost because 
then you start over with each generation. That makes no sense at all. So it's wonderful. So what you're trying to do is preserve the good work of people who may now be working at it from the other side? That's correct. I mean, so we have different facets of our work. So the, the preservation, I would say that is more of the work work. The experiments, <laughs> that is, that is the, the fun work. The fun work, <laughs> yes. Well, we all need a lot of that. Well, that's good. So, so people are, are, how do you design, how can I even put my mind around this? How do you design how a, a, a team of people work in this field and, and make progress? I mean, do you assign, you, do you break down the tasks and assign them? Do you, do you require certain kinds of equipment of certain people or how, how much do you sort of regiment what's done? It's looking into the future. Where do we want to be 10 years from now? And the second part is, uh, you're right. Not everybody's job is going to be glamorous. Um, everybody likes to experiment, but not many. You know, it's it's work to do the other things. So iDigital Medium was sort of an experiment. And one of our founders, Ron Reese, he began to find historic material. He was very good at researching and finding things. Yes. He went into archives that I didn't even know existed. Um, wow, he he communicated with people we didn't know were alive, and he began to publish historical information, and he pretty much paved the road for what we will do in the future. Wow, good for him. And so you, you, you began then to assemble the work of people who had been doing experiments and had some, some successes. Are you studying this material, seeing how it comes together, seeing whether there's a there are patterns, or or are you simply documenting the raw data? How do you use it? It's interesting. I, I see what you're what you're trying to ask, and and you're trying to get me to uh, give you a clear answer, which I will attempt to do. So <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> uh, not not at all. I it, I should be able to explain it clearly. Um, so we wear many different hats. So the the experiment is something that happens personally. It's a very, very personal thing. Yes. It's, it's as if you studied Tai Chi. It's not just about the movements themselves. It's about how you feel and the energy and the way in which you express those movements. So it's an art form. So when it comes to experiments, each different person has their own special connection with, we will use the general term, spirit. And when we begin to work together, which we can get to that in a minute, too. There's actually a private group that works on experiments. And what we do is we feed off each other. Now, we don't have the credentials of scientists. So to some degree, we're only able to use the tools that we have uh, already, which is our intellect and primarily our intuition. So we look at the history that influences some of our decision making in the experiments, right? Uh -huh. um, we try to duplicate some of what's already happened, and to some degree we have, but then we also look into the future and create things that we know would be possible. And, and the one main thing to pull away from this is, traditionally it has been known that people in spirit talk in very short sentences or phrases when they work with EVP, when they use energy to communicate with us through electronics. However, our work has shown, and we know individually as a, as a small group at this time, that that's not the case. That if you shape the energy correctly, people in spirit will be able to talk nonstop. There's no break. 
Well, I know very little about this field, but one of the things which I, you know, if you can't be in in the broader field of afterlife studies without ha- coming repeatedly into contact with people who are using electronics in various ways to communicate, and one of the things that strikes me, and I just like your reaction to it, is that this is very dependent on the non-physical communicators. Um, the energy, as I think is what you were, were hinting at, has to be very simpatico between the experimenter and the communicator. Um, the intentions, in a sense, of the experimenter have to be pure because they're really, it seems to me that lower vibrating people trying to communicate have much less success at it um, than do those who are simply trying to serve, working from love, and so on. Doesn't that seem to be true, or am I, am I romanticizing something? It is exactly true. Okay. And, uh, I mean, even down to the letter. Uh, Mark Macy um, popularized that idea with his book, Miracles in the Storm. Yes, great book. When, when he described how miracles began to happen in the world and people began to network and work together, at some point that began to break down. And it was indicated that, that it broke down because of the inability of us, people here, to work with each other. And so not only, you know, so not only do people need to have somewhat of the same sense of future goals, uh, but also the, their own personal development, and the we found is everyone needs encouragement. I might hear something completely different than the other person, but when you work with them for a while, you begin to realize that's their special connection. And then when we all work together, we magnify it a thousand times. And so we're seeing a rebirth. There are a lot of interesting things Great. we're doing together. Okay, well, I, I think that's very exciting to hear that you've, uh, because I, I feel I had a lot of sympathy for Mark Macy. I thought he was on the track to really making some breakthroughs, and then it all fell apart, um, at like 90s, which was very tragic, I thought. So it's wonderful if you're finding ways to help people work together comfortably with those who are not in bodies and having them trust us because i think a big problem repeatedly has been that they haven't trusted the people who are working with them to stick with it and to be selfless about it and they won't work with us if they don't trust us i think it would be i think i would say it would tend to be more along the lines of you attract that which you already are oh perfectly said thank you Mm -hmm. for that yes Mm -hmm. perfectly said okay so um, tell us a little bit about the process of, of, of doing this. There's a, what, what kind of machine do you use and how do you, what do you have to, do you do it like every night, all evening? Do you do it repeatedly during the day? People are wondering, um, what, what's the best way? And, when, and I'll, I'll get to the point a little bit later. I, I'm going to ask you if you have advice for people who want to try this at home. But when, when you're doing this in, in an expert way, how do you most – what do you find works best for trying to communicate with people not in bodies? What kind of machine and what process? Honestly, uh, machines are not even required. So when it comes, <laughs> not, this is EVP, <laughs> electronics, that's machines, my dear. It is. But we're finding over time that what happens is the basic element is is understanding and develop, personal development. So it's kind of a, a balancing act for us when we share historical information about 
technical things, right? Devices, computers, gizmos, uh-huh. gadgets, whatever they are. Gizmos, and the, okay. <laughs> and, right. and, at the, and at the same time, we're trying, we would like to present of simply trusting their intuition. But we're finding that in, in, the, uh, in the quest to satisfy science, the basic element of spiritual development as an individual has been overlooked. Okay, so, so the only thing they really need is, number one, the desire. Number two, consistency. And, well, desire and intent is the same thing. I would say that that's technically all they need, desire and intent. You know, before we end the radio show, we'll tell them a place where they could go to see what that looks like, what the, what the experiments look like. Okay. And we'll get into a couple of them, but that actually strays away from our main message. So we're okay. So that well, where's the if you're not if you don't have a machine, where does the voice appear from? Well, I I should correct my my wording in that for most people that begin, they would start out with EVP. So okay. th- these days, you would typically buy a digital recorder for forty, fifty, forty or fifty dollars on Amazon or something like that. Uh-huh. You would be in a quiet room. You would ask a question, and you would have the digital recorder recording it now there are other people in the field such such as sherry pearl who does a lot of evp recordings and hers are she already has a method in place where she has written it up and showed people how to uh, record evp but for anybody anybody that wants to start with that that's usually the first thing they do once they i mean because the first thing is the curiosity right we have to satisfy the curiosity is it real yeah, that's right. Exactly right. right. And then, then the next stage is usually, oh, my God, it's real. <laughs> yes, yes. She started uh, recording children, as I recall. Sherry yes. did. Um, I don't know if she may have branched beyond that, but she seems to have been very successful. I'm I'm uh, pleased to hear that you're following her as well. What about Sonia Rinaldi? Do you know much about her? I do. Um, we keep tabs on everybody and I did not like the CIA, but we network. So, <laughs> no, no. So, and especially if me for methods, I like to see what they're doing, you know, what's influencing their experiments and thoughts and things like that. Sonia has been uh, in the limelight lately. And one of the things they did was for anybody that doesn't know, Sonia Rinaldi is an experimenter in Brazil. She's been doing this a long time. In fact, way longer than I have or any of my colleagues. Yes. Uh, she does a lot of different things, and she does a lot of different methods, and they're always changing. But the essence of it is she has recorded messages from people in spirit and passed on messages to family members. Now, yes. where this comes to a little bit of a difficulty is the work that my group is involved in is not specifically geared towards receiving messages from family. We hope that's a result once we get to where we want to be. But the emphasis for us is more on uh, personal development and technical development to reach that point, to where science can look at it and then say, is this real? But Sonia's done very well. She will use refraction of light in some of her experiments where she will point light at a certain type of object. It will reflect part of the light and the people in spirit will change some of the way that light reflects. And that's when they'll see an image of a loved one in spirit. 
Yeah, it's really quite impressive. I, I've seen her work, and um, I, I, it's it's almost impossible to believe. And what's upsetting to me, not upsetting, more uh, frustrating, um, is that what she's doing, if only she were able to sort of teach us all how to do it, mm-hmm. um, that would be life-transforming but the, for, for the world even. But the trouble is that, that those working with her, don't they seem to be very attuned to her. And not this isn't something that can be spread around as a as a as a technique. We we, we can't all learn how to do it. Now that's a concern to me, Keith. Because mm-hmm. how are we if 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 everybody has to have their own team and have worked with them for twenty years in order to really be able to do this well? It's not. This is not how science works. Science is not going to accept that as anything more than an odd idiosyncrasy, whatever eccentricity. That's the word I'm looking for. Even though it's like it should be life transforming that even one person could do it, but mm. there has to be a way to make it something. That everyone who can do it without having to devote their life to it, don't you think? Does this bother you at all? Yes, of course it does. And uh, you're touching on what I would call the responsibility. And by that, I mean uh, when you first start experimenting something, you look at the people that have been around a while, you kind of idolize them. You know, yes. oh, it's, it's great what they did. You, you absorb everything, you read it all, you soak it all up. And then at some point, you look around and you realize, well, wait, <laughs> a lot yes. of those people are gone. It's now our responsibility to do what they were doing when we started. And so we are going to help train people on uh, video tutorials on a lot of these things. But see, some of our goals, and we know this is going to happen, is to get it onto their cell phones, is to get the ex- live experiment. That's exactly what I want. Phones. Yes, thank you. That's exactly what we need. We need a way for for people at large. I mean, we we need an app. We need an app. Mm -hmm. Great, 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 great Aunt Mildred's, you know, special recipe. We don't know that secret ingredient. We need to be able to call her up. She's been dead for 50 years and get the secret recipe. That's the kind of thing. When when, when that's being done, we'll laugh the scientists right off the field. You know, you're you're touching on a a subject that – I have a little bit of a differing opinion on that. I think. Okay, good. Tell me yours. I think that the reason why this is all possible is is there are universal laws that we are rediscovering. Like we're not. It's not the first time it's discovered. We're rediscovering it again, uh-huh. and it is our responsibility to develop spiritually as a species. It's about myself evolving, you evolving, all of us realizing our own inherent power to communicate realizing that God is within us. Um, and so I, I don't think in the beginning that it's going to necessarily be chit-chat. I think it's going to be reserved for messages of uh, spiritual worth and things that will help us evolve. Now, there there were plans a long time ago to transmit to mankind technical devices and things that would assist people in in solving the problems of Earth as we know it today. Is that less? Are they less interested in that now? Uh, I'm not sure. I I doubt it. I would say that for every person that does an experiment, there are at least five to ten or more spirit people on the other side of that line. So while we, yeah, right. So while we, it looks like there's only a few people or a couple thousand people here or there. I think there's millions upon millions between this reality and the other realities that are all working together. 
And every time we turn our equipment on, we'll see a face or we'll hear a voice. So we know that they're standing by and that they have some of the same desire and intent that we do. Wow, this is so exciting. And so what, what do you, where do you think it's going from here? Is it, is it becoming a stronger phenomenon, a more dependable phenomenon? Or what do you think the breakthroughs are that you'll be looking for? Or, or do you just, are you just watching it unfold and trying to make it better? We're kind of enjoying the ride. Um, <laughs> right. to, to keep it brief, I will say that we started a private research group. And by that, I mean other people in different parts of the world began to communicate privately. And these people are all technical people. And what was interesting is once we began to uh, trust each other, or, or trust in the value of each other's perception, things began to move extremely fast. And that started in November. You mentioned Gary Schwartz's work already. And I can tell you that behind the scenes, we're kind of doing something similar to what he is, just in a different approach. It's more on a scientific level and perspective. We have very intelligent, smart people that are working on these same problems, but they're doing it through intuition. For example, they'll say, I had a dream last night. In this dream, I saw such and such. And so today I'm going to build this device that does this and that because my intuition told me so. <laughs> wow. Just to, to remind anyone who, who may have forgotten or doesn't know, uh, Gary Schwartz is working on what's called the soul phone, which is a little bit like the device I described where you could get Aunt Mildred's recipe. And I just want to prove that the afterlife is real. That's been the, my obsession for a very long time because it's frustrating that so many people don't know these glorious truths that will be transform transformative for the world. So I want that to happen, a soul phone. But what you're saying is now that you're working on a related kind of phenomenon and you're, you're getting some success with it, but it isn't the soul phone. That's correct. I would say – well, there's a basic fundamental element, and that element is what can people in spirit influence consistently, right? That's it. Uh -huh. Once that is achieved by mankind, that's all they need, because all they need is to be able to turn something on and off consistently, yes. and we now have languages. We have Morse code. We've yes, got computer code, code. We've got all these different things we could experiment with, and so Absolutely. That's, that's the basic fundamental element. Yes, yes. Um, so, th so that's what you and your t and the teams that you ha work with that are not in bodies and some who are. That's what you're all working on. Is that kind of a dependable on-off switch, or um, that the computers run that way, don't they? With 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 bits and zeros and ones and all that. <laughs> I mean, but you can tell I'm not very techy, right? Right. Well, no, I'd, I'd be more than happy to explain some of that. I think probably in our next segment, um, I will say that. People in spirit are influencing things that are happening inside the computer, inside the computer memory, inside that little tower sitting under the desk. They are influencing and changing things inside that computer. Well, that's hot, hot diggity. That's exciting. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you're get, you're having some real progress with this, and you're enjoying it. And are you are you helping people to participate in this, or are you able to? Let's talk about the. You said you had some news to break. I'd like to hear that. I, I've been waiting long enough. Yes, I'm sorry. I, I didn't send you notes. That's my fault. <laughs> That's okay. No, but I, I think everyone would like to hear what your news is. Special announcement. 
So myself and my colleagues, after our successful individual efforts of websites and all the things that we've done in the field, are coming together. We are incorporating as a nonprofit a company called MetaScience Foundation. Now, the reason why we are doing this is because there used to be a MetaScience Foundation. It was run by, it was founded by a fellow named George Meek in 1979. Yes. yes. And it was in existence for almost two decades. Now, George Meek was an individual who was very curious about the world of spirit and consciousness and thing, all things paranormal. One of his most successful and most well-known experiments, or should I say, is perceived as their most successful, is Spiritcom. Spiritcom was a project in late 1970s, early 1980s, where a gentleman that was thought to have the qualities of a medium built electronic devices. And at some point, he claimed that he was having conversations with people through these devices. It was recorded. It was annotated as over 20 hours of two-way conversations. And Mr. Meek even held a press conference in 1982 about it. Now, a lot of people have heard about Spiritcom, and that was only one of the projects that this foundation did. What people do not know is Spiritcom I would say is less than 20% of what they actually did. Really? Wow. And so my the last time we were on and I talked with you, we, we mentioned preservation. We mentioned how we wanted to keep things alive into you know past our lifetimes and the lifetimes of those before us into the future so that when the younger people come to study, they'll have the history available. Absolutely. We started receiving boxes of material regarding Metascience Foundation. And then at one point we acquired a large sum of material. And then we worked with the last uh, president of the Metascience Foundation and we acquired the rest of the material. Okay, we were expecting a couple of boxes. It turned out to be a U-Haul trailer full. Oh, gee, wow. Wow. <laughs> and, and included in that also happened to be a bunch of audio cassettes from Leslie Flint. Really? They're not known before? New ones? We haven't yet determined that because we oh, have some wow. we have inventory. We know that some of them are all preserved, but I suspect there may be some that are not. Yeah. Wow. Good. And, and so we finally said, so I did a meeting was an experiment to see could people work together. The answer was yes, they could. And now we've got an even bigger <laughs> project on our plates. And yeah. so we are going to recreate the Metascience Foundation because we believe in the goals that George Meek had. This is where it branches out, and it's so much work. It's, it's Oh, flooded. yeah, you're going to need a lot of people, and they're volunteers, right? That's correct. At this point in time, I see a future where I hope that these things will be able to be self-sustaining. We're, we're going to try to make this self-sustaining in the future, but the, the catch there is we want to provide, always provide the information to the people for your charge, right? So you have to get yes. very crappy when you figure out how do you make a business sustainable and um, still be able to share the message that you're trying to get across. Is this something as a practical matter, which uh, if someone's listening and saying, I just want to be part of that, I feel called to be part of that. Are you going to have ways for people to do volunteer work online or so that because it, this, these are boxes, this is physical material that you have. Are you going to digitize it somehow or make it so that people don't have to go wherever you are in order to do this work or help with it? We are and we will. 
it comes down to, you know, instead of just getting to experiment, my role now is, of course, to and the role of my colleagues. It's actually, I need to mention my colleagues, Tim Woolworth and then Jeremy Michael Bloxham are my two uh, colleagues and co-founders of this. And we have other people that assist us, such as Karen Jarvie and other friends who have contributed to iDigital Medium over the years. So it is a challenge um, and it's a lot of work. Is obviously going to go far into the future. So my, one of my jobs will be to break down a specific task and find the people that have the qualities to do that specific task. Sometimes we would be, I would be able to, since we're technical people, we have the ability to, for example, make a short video to show them how to do the task that they would be volunteering for. And of course, the reason for incorporating a nonprofit is is obvious. If anybody right. wants to assist, they can. Many people listening have never heard the name George Meek, but he is uh, one of the first really important researchers in the area of the afterlife. Um, he was an idol of mine, and uh, some of the, the work that he did has shaped the field. So to know that you're going to recreate um, his his work, and, and I'm not surprised he had a trailer full of stuff that they did to send to you because he was just so – he was a prolific writer. He did this work all when he after his retirement is what I understand. But he did a wonderful, wonderful body of work. And if you're going to preserve that and then help us to build on it, I think that's a great, great thing you're doing. And I appreciate so much that you're doing it. It's a big task, but it's a very, a very important one. Oh, thank you. Yes, we uh, we see it as a way of um, preserving, but also uh, being able to use that material to get our message across to people, which is the education. So we're not trying to take all the old material and teach people, okay, here's what you got to do, what they did 30 years ago. Yes, right. But it, it, it opens the door for us to explain how a person can develop themselves spiritually and how they can learn how to conduct experiments. This is another important point you're making because this is where I've come to in my work to understand that once we get that life is eternal our minds are eternal and once we understand uh, more about the physics of the greater reality and we understand about the process of death and what the afterlife is like and all that you come right down to the fact that it's all about spiritual growth so that's become my focus now too is helping people to grow spiritually and so I'm excited. I'm very excited that you're at the same place and you're finding that that's what the people you're communicating with in, in spirit also want. So very exciting. Essentially what we're doing, December Guard, is, is, you know, the ghost shows that started to come out in the 90s, they helped a little bit, but they also hurt a lot. They helped a lot of people become aware that there's something more. Now, a part of what we're trying to do is we now stand in the time frame where it's up to us to correct. We're trying to morph it now into how do we entertain them and for the ones that are interested, show them them more. Yeah, show them what's real, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a comparable problem with near-death experiences. People like George Meek and people, the other early researchers, and I too, um, have discovered what's real. But if we allow too many near-death experiences to muddy it up, no one will ever, you know, we won't, we won't have a pure record anymore. Nobody will know what happens after death, and that would be a tragedy. So. Thank you for thank you for doing what you can to to clear the record when it comes to ghost stories, and I'll work on trying to clear the record when it comes to near death experiences, and we'll be we'll be able I hope to preserve for the next generation um, a, a pure body of truth that they can rely on that turns out to be real. 
Ooh, ooh, I just thought of something very what? important. What? What? Say it. Say it. Yes. I'm, here, I'm here in my head and I'm thinking, okay, how do I explain how difficult the challenge is? And I thought, oh, something <laughs> that, I need, that I need to tell you and your listeners. Okay. All right. If, you, if your listeners would like a simple, easy place to go to find, to learn more about uh, different topics related to mediums and life after death, we have a fellow in England. His name is... Dr. Keith Parsons. We've established a friendship with him, and for the last four years, he has been creating documentaries, and we have been publishing them. So on our YouTube channel, which is now, if you type MetaScience Foundation, we have a playlist that is nothing but Mr. Keith Parsons' videos. Oh, and they're beautiful, too. I've seen them. Yes. It's like watching uh, PBS or BBC or something of that nature. So good. And I think that would be probably the best, the quickest place for your listeners to to go and to start. Not only have we created a playlist for Mr. Parsons, we have, I think it's like at least another 50 playlists. I think we have about 1,100 videos all in playlists uh, defined by category. So if you want to look at near death, there's some in there. And it goes on and on and on. So for anybody that is just new or getting started or wants to dive in, we've already our volunteers have already done some of the work of compiling that for you in an easy-to-go place so you won't get distracted. That's terrific. Thank you so much for that. Okay. I'm very excited, Keith. I think what you're doing is really going to be so helpful as we try to bring this um, study to the next stage. Thank you so much. We've come to the end of our time, but I'm very excited that we've had this conversation. This is wonderful. Is there anything you most want people to know? There's so much going on right now that <laughs> right. just find us somewhere, anywhere, whether it's iDigital Medium or, or MetaScience Foundation. MetaScience Foundation will be the, the mother of all sites, shall we say. And so the, is that hmm? .com.org? What, what is the MetaScience it, Foundation? It is MetaScienceFoundation.com. Well, please consider yourself hugged, and we'll, we'll make another opportunity to get together and talk about all of this some more because I'm very, very, very excited about what you're doing. So, um, everyone, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes, and I'm delighted you were with us today. Isn't this an exciting time to be alive? Please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began, and you never will end. And when you really get what that means, it changes everything in your life for the better. Next week, our guests will be Dennis Grega and Michelle Zabo, who will be here with us for the second time. And Michelle and Dennis work closely with our beloved friend, Dr. R. Craig Hogan, and he's been with us, of course, 30 times in the past seven years, each time talking about something new. I think of him as kind of the godfather of research into what actually is going on. Uh, but he is helping Dennis and Michelle to focus, and they're working um, in relation to his Afterlife Research and Education Institute, or AREI. And they're putting together some things which are very closely related, to be perfectly frank, with what Keith is doing. And that's what makes it me – it's all sort of coming together. I'm sort of babbling because I'm very excited about it. Um, they have put together afterlifedata.com, which is the – they're trying to basically do a curated database of all the information that they can find that's readily available. Very much needed. They're doing afterlifelibrary.com. All it's self-explanatory, but also they're trying to be definitive in this. Um, and then they're also uh, working on a third um, 
a, a website called VoicesAcrossTheVeil.com. It's the world's largest ongoing study of the afterlife. We're going to talk with them next week. This is their, their second time with us. And um, I think you're going to really enjoy, especially after hearing from Keith this week, enjoy seeing how many wonderful younger people are working in this field now. This is going to be so world-changing. And, of course, this week we've been talking with Keith J. Clark. He's been with us for the third time. He's an expert in the field of instrumental transcommunication, or ITC, but he's also doing more. What he's doing is trying to gather and, and preserve and organize the past in this field, which is something I don't think anyone has really been doing before, as we would have hoped. It's similar to, frankly, um, to, to what Michelle and Greg and uh, Dennis are doing, but, but different. And there may be a way that it all somehow is going to fit together. We don't, we don't make these decisions. They're made way above our pay grade. But you're seeing today that, that we're, we're, a lot of us are being called uh, to do a different stage, a new stage of work in this field, which I think is going to bear tremendous fruit. So we're going to follow um, Keith very closely as he do, continues to do this work because uh, I think it's going to be world-changing. It's, it's really amazing when you think about it to realize that in the 21st century, almost 25% of the way through it, for heaven's sake, there's a whole area of reality, which is actually most of reality, of which humankind remains clueless. And it's primarily because mainstream scientists won't look at it and everyone trusts them. They will stop trusting them once enough people, and we're hearing, I'm sure Keith as I am, hearing more and more from people who are coming, becoming disillusioned with the fact that all this information is there and science is not looking at it. Frankly, the way the scientists are behaving is the equivalent of their refusing to acknowledge that the world is not flat. It actually is round. But they've done so much work on the flat Earth that they'd have to go back and do a lot of stuff over again if they acknowledge that it's round. So they're delaying that as fast as they can. Very soon now, the truth that the, all these beautiful people that we so enjoy talking with each week, the truth they're working on is going to dawn over all the world, and then everything is going to change. What an exciting time to be alive. As you know, I have many books, but we don't have time to talk about them today. Um, and if you ever want to talk to me about any of this or my books or anything, all you have to do is contact me through the green contact block on robertagrimes.com. I do answer every email, but it can take me a few days. Just make sure I have your correct address. Past episodes of Seek Reality are available on webtalkradio.net, realrevolutionradio.com, iTunes, the iHeartRadio system, and on a number of stations, including those in the wonderful Dream Vision 7 radio family. And many people tell me that they just get the Seek Reality app in the iTunes app store for free. And they just get Seek Reality every week automatically. Meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. This is a wonderful time to be alive. I think you're going to be excited over the next few years uh, to, to watch what Keith Clark is doing, to watch what Michelle and um, Dennis are doing, to watch what uh, Dr. Hogan is doing. All of these people are now working together because the people they work with in the afterlife are working together. And all of this is going to make it much, much more, much easier for you to come to see how it all fits together. We are an, truly an army of people who are working with a much bigger, as Keith pointed out, army of people uh, who are not in bodies. And the truth is going to dawn. So be happy. Then just enjoy and make the most of this coming week in our one reality, knowing that you are a powerful, 
eternal being, and in, you in particular in all the universe, you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything.